Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about some different things you can do on your land to maybe please your landlord this holiday season or next harvest season. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at an insect-based ingredient maker coming to North America. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about the plow. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. We'll wrap things up with a feel-good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So here we are, week before Christmas, and things are... It's weird, because Christmas is a weekend this year, and that's always kind of an odd time. As kids have school most of the week... But not Friday, even though it's not Christmas yet. There's always that right before Christmas, everybody asks you, "Hey, are you ready for Christmas?" Like, like, are you done Christmas yeah, shopping? Like, are you ready? And like, you still really have a full week to. But it does feel do weird. Of, those things. Like, I didn't realize how much we got ready for Christmas on weekends. So, like, so you lose yeah. a weekend. We have like some other Christmases. One this less weekend, shopping weekend. Like, yeah. So it's just weird that way. I, though technically, I mean, some places are still open Christmas Eve, so you could shop sure, on Saturday. I didn't realize how close we were to Christmas until like this morning. My grandma called me and was like, I haven't heard your plans yet. Are you coming or what? And I was like, Well, I got time. And she's like, You got a week. Next week, like next Friday, I'll be driving. Are you going? Is grandma happy? I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't commit on air. Can't commit on Yeah, I can't have recorded. It's the first Christmas without grandpa, so you better. Well, that Christmas, yes. Oh, this is your other grandma. I remember I got like. Two families now to keep, you know, yep. holidays plus my fa- plus there's some separated families in there. So I got like six. Yeah, yeah I got a lot of options. So, oh, oh Max, we understand. We've all <laughs> oh, yeah. been there, right? Of the like, especially like right after you're married, the the first dividing of Christmas. So, whatever happens now, you better like that starts the tradition. Well, we've been doing all our so. Christmas. We've been doing like the year we got engaged. We went to nine different Christmas, like family Christmases. Jeez. Yeah, and I said I am That's never doing lot. that again. How, how many family? How many days? Yeah, did I mean, that my take? wife's fa- parents are divorced, and we didn't even have that many. Well, it was like these sub subsections of family. Oh. Like, was it like tree hopping? That's no. Fun. Okay, it was like Let's call them tree hopping. Then it's it was not tree hopping. Tree hopping is awesome, but you never get further than like ten miles from your house. Yes. There, there is a point I think that you have to like stop. Like, it's gonna be big family, not just like individual families for everybody like i think there's there's a reasonable point of celebrating and then there's crazy on one side of our our house currently there i think one family is right at that like maximum size where it's gonna be time for some things to start getting broken up or like we can't literally can't get we don't nobody has a house big enough to get all the people in it it's like yeah you know but nobody wants to be like yeah we're just okay not seeing you guys for Christmas this year, like, you know, nobody wants to give that up either, but... The, we can't fit 10 pounds of crap in a 5-pound bag, but we're going to try. Yeah. It seems to just happen, though, like, if there's a set of grandparents that, like, keep the kids and the grandkids, then those kind of grandparents pass on, then it seems like those parents kind of... Yeah, usually the aunts and like, uncles no longer get right. together. Yeah. They kind of have their own families now and their own grandkids and... Well, I mean, we're on the verge of great-grandchildren. Right. Like, we're right there. So, I mean, 
It's when you get to the great grandchildren level and they're moderately decent sized families, like it's that's where the break starts to happen. Like so, Sierra and I are like the closest to having children, and we would that would our kids would be the great grandchildren. But usually, so. the cousins don't correct intermingle then either. It's no. like if we stop having the big one, then it's all just individual families. Yes. Yeah. So, and on my side of the family, we live so far apart that it, you never know what you're going to get. People are moving all over the country, so. It's always just a surprise. It's a surprise we usually figure out on about the 23rd <laughs> what's going to happen. So Christmas miracle. You just drink who shows with whoever shows up, right? Yeah. One year we got kicked out of the casino on Christmas Day. That's my family. <laughs> the grocery store is shut down, but not the casino. The casino stays open. Nope. Can't take your money if we're closed. So They close on Christmas Eve. They do close on Christmas Eve. Hmm. At least that one did. Then you can get to church. Because otherwise we would have went on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Say Christmas Eve is a weird one. That Usually it's Christmas Day. Right. You would think that you would. I think what they did is they closed like Christmas Eve at like five o'clock, and they didn't open till Christmas Day at five o'clock. So you mm. got like twenty four hours of like, because we didn't go till like nine o'clock on Christmas Day. So yeah. interesting. Anyway, so speaking of Christmas, you guys have favorite Christmas movies you like to watch in preparation. Like my wife, for example, has to watch White Christmas while we decorate the tree. That's her thing. So that's Bing Crosby, Danny okay. Kaye. Um, I've never seen that one. Never seen White Christmas? Oh, yeah. Nope. I have I have to watch it every year. You're right, though. There's certain ones you just, like, for me, it's it's Grinch, Home Alone, and Christmas Vacation. Like, watch them pretty much every year. See, I, Elf is in that for us. Like, yeah, we always watch Elf. That one, hit or miss, I don't know. That one's, I like that movie, but it. I wish we watched Die Hard more. I know Die some Hard. people don't consider it a Christmas movie, yep. but it takes place during Christmas. The first two do anyway. I'd say the big three are Elf. Like, if you have to say, like, these are the three in, like, most people my age now, my age, the, the big three is Elf, Home Alone, and who? I don't know. Christmas might be Christmas Vacation. No, we mentioned we get the Santa Claus movies with oh, Tim Allen. Yeah. Those are up there. My kids love those. They're good movies. They just this year they had a they released a series that ended this week. I yep, think. the last one came out. Haven't haven't watched the last one yet, but my, I'm sure. I don't know why my kids weren't is on Tim, top is of that. Tim Allen in it yet? Or yeah, it's yeah. still him. Yeah, nice. I like that when they. It's fairly good. I mean, they since it's a series, they seem to stretch out the story longer. They than actually they haven't. Kind of could have, but it's taken cool. anybody out of that one that I can think of. It's always Tim Allen, like, and then they gave him a wife in the second one. Is she, she's the same actress? Is the son like, the same? He's got to be old. He's now. still in there too. Yeah, they. Um, they he was in the one episode. He lived in Florida. The head elf. He's so the one where Santa right. looked like a drug dealer. That was You're right, though. It was pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the same people. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like those ones. And then Tim Allen does have, or yeah, Tim Tim Allen. It's Tim Allen. Does yeah. have a does have a anti He's Christmas with the cranks. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, he's anti Christmas in that, that one. one. Yeah, because they just want to go on vacation. All the kids. Yeah, and are he gets gone. he gets Botox, and yeah, that's yep. the one where they're out they're out to dinner. And he gets bad, Botox. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. That's not bad. But was, he did that after he did the first two Santa Claus movies. Maybe the third. I think the first two, and then the next year he came out with Christmas with the cranks, and it was a anti Christmas Christmas movie. I I was always down on the third Santa Claus has got. A little too ridiculous, but isn't Martin Short in one of them? Yeah, he, that's the one where he's Jack Frost. The third? Frost, yeah, and tries to steal being Santa. I, I totally was going to say it was he was Mister Freeze, but that, but that's Arnold. Not, that's Arnold. Um, <laughs> Not Christmas either. My kids wanted to watch it this year, and so I actually sat down and watched that one with them. And I was like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember. 
Nope. Like, it's still not a great movie, but... It's not as good as the first two. And I'm assuming it was straight to DVD. I don't think that released in theaters, but I don't know for sure. Christmas movies are weird because even if they release in theaters, they can only release them, like, after Thanksgiving, and usually by Christmas they're gone. They're only in... There's such a short, like, window. They don't stick around. Like, I think the... um, What's the plane movie? Planes, trains, and automobiles. No, no, no. <laughs> Tom Cruise one. Top Gun. Top Maverick. Gun. I think if you go, there's still a Top Gun movie, and that got released in like March, and it's still playing in yeah, some theaters. It is. Yeah, we yep. looked the other day. Well, a Christmas movie does not play. It plays from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and that's the end of it. So you know, it's really funny. Is I was when we were in high school, and we took a French club trip to Canada. Which Todd could have gone on, I but went. he didn't. I was there. Quebec. Yeah, you, nice try. <laughs> I was there. Did you? Your, your wife just stole you like were, the band trip to. Uh, yeah. No, we just needed on. bodies. Like we needed more people to go. So the French teacher opened it up to anybody, oh. and Todd's wife went, but Todd did not. Oh. Um, they were filming a Christmas movie while we were up there. Nice in Quebec City, which is like an old walled city, cobblestone streets. Yeah, I remember that. And same, we actually got, same French teacher I had. No. Oh, he, he, that's, um, that's why I didn't get. To he go became to athletic director, and then they hired a new uh-huh. one. Um, but yeah, it was kind of cool because they had like changed all the signs on this one street, and it was all like Santa's Village. What movie was it? Like, have you ever seen? It was the called Blizzard. No, and that's the thing. I, oh. All this time, you know, we were there when it was filming. I've never watched the movie. It was called Blizzard, I believe, and it had it was uh, like a reindeer it was the main character. They didn't ask you to be extras. No, that would have been cool. We did meet an actress that was in it. She was staying in the same hotel that we were, like on the same floor. And it says Whoopi Goldberg. Was Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> was the voice of the the reindeer, so I don't think she was oh, physically okay. there. Oh, okay. And then um, Kevin, Christopher Plummer was the was Santa. Oh sure. And then Kevin Pollock. He looked Pollock. Pollock. He's looks like he's been in stuff. That yeah, he's he did like the whole nine yards and with Bruce Willis and. Um, yeah, he's like a bit player in a lot of stuff. He's a comedian too. But this, yeah, this young girl um, that a mutual friend of Todd and mine basically harassed, and I'll tell you who later, Todd. <laughs> um, but we get to find out, yeah, what the movie was. That's how I know. So she wasn't going to give from. up what they were doing. She, I don't even know how this friend of ours found out. Like she was in the movie, but yeah, then. We started talking to her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we're filming this movie," and and gave us like the the cliff notes on what they were doing. So that was kind of cool, but is never watched it. Is Grumpy Old Men a Christmas movie? They ice fish. I don't know why it they, would be. They, he has it, a heart attack on Christmas. Christmas, yeah. Because if it is, if we're gonna call it a Christmas movie, that's my favorite one. That's <laughs> we, my favorite we know movie that's anyway. your favorite movie. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's older ones too. It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Though I think they remade that one when we were kids. Yeah, like there's an old old version. And That's like the thing. That. A lot of these have been remade. Like Grinch, Grinch, like three, three versions. Yeah. Honestly, they're all really good. And what's crazy is the newest one actually holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. Like it's the same animators as the Home Alone. Movies. On the other hand, yeah, they've right. tried to redo that one so many times. It's Kind of sad. Not good. Like the originals are good. I'm okay with the second one, and then after that, I don't even want to know. So it's just a, just a disease in the franchise, honestly. Like, yeah, should have just ended at one. Awful movies. Would have been fine. Ended at one. Even would have been fine if they ended after the second one. But the fact that they went on, I think there's three or four more. Yeah, and they're awful. 
was I Mac- think there's three more, and they're god awful. It's got to be different than Macaulay, though. After oh yeah, oh yeah, no, that's the thing is they like it's he, not even the same. He turned weird. They tried yeah. to like reboot it again at, with the third one, and then that didn't work. So then they tried to reboot it again with the fourth one, and now they made like a more recent one. That's supposed to be like a legacy kind of thing. Like it's not even any of the same characters, but the same situation. Well, and that was even I worse. Don't know if it's three or if it's four, but the kid is literally just home from school sick, like for the day. Like that's like he's sick and his mom goes to work for like three days in a row, and that's the whole movie. Like it's the it's not even close to the same. Yeah, no, it's terrible. it's ridiculous. It like you can only beat the same horse so many times. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, since it is the season of giving, and you know, we all know that some t- people are harder to gift than others, whether it's your spouse, your relatives, your parents, cousins, children. Who, children usually aren't the hard ones to buy for. Mm-hmm. They usually have a big list. Um, landlords are probably one of the top. Yeah, landlords are up there. Like, harder, what do you get the landlord? Right. For Christmas. Cheese box. I actually heard... A lot of it's cheese box. Yeah. I heard a wild one the other day. The actual rent check? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the landlord called the farm and wanted to know when he was getting his bonus. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. His rent bonus because he heard crops were good that year. <laughs> That's you, a heard, wild yeah. one. Heard you doing good. So what am I getting? Oh, knock, knock. So when the crops aren't good, are you going to reduce yeah. my rent? Oh. Absolutely not. No. So that that was a wild one. I was waiting waiting for this to share that with you guys because I thought I was like, <laughs> what? and he he claimed he told the farm that everybody else does it, so he doesn't. And I was like, I have never heard of that it, ever. Some contracts are right. I mean, some people I mean, maybe, do that. but not to say that everyone does it. I don't think at that point sure. you call it like a no Christmas, Christmas bonus, bonus or a, a fall harvest bonus. Harvest bonus. I think it's yeah. I think if like, you're in a crop sharing arrangement, yeah, you're right. It's going to vary. You know, I think I think it's your landlord decides to tile it for you, and so your corn goes up by twenty bushels. I think giving them, mm-hmm. you know, five hundred dollar bonus, like okay, like if that, I could see that. But just calling out of the blue and going, "Where's my bonus? Yeah. I heard, I heard crops were good I, this year." I as the landlord did nothing to yeah. help that, but I still believe you. And, were they, and they were yeah. dead serious, right? This wasn't a joke uh, or no. Oh uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah. So yeah, interesting, weird. I, is that like a? Once a week, call like, "Hey, still waiting <laughs> on my bonus." No, you're one and check. done. I think at that point, <laughs> I checked my mailbox. Did see a bonus? Like, how long is their contract? Like, do they get like three more years out? Of I don't know. Like and that? I don't. That is that yeah? Is that the last? Because if it's the last year, last year the contract, yeah, like, thing you gotta pull? be like, oh, okay. I and I, I don't want to, you know, spread false wink, wink, nudge, stories, nudge. But man, I was that was something. This one thing to think of that relationship, like, what other landlord situation, like. You know, we've all, say, rented apartments before in our past years. I never got my landlord a gift in that scenario. They get they uh, got the um, gift of me as a tenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you paid rent. Like, it's a very unique relationship of landlord and tenant when it comes to physical land. Like, it's a different, like, yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it, very different. It is and it isn't. I mean, they, the relationship between those two parties you want to keep it a good one. Right. And it, it that's that goes both ways. I mean, as a landlord, having a unhappy tenant can 
be negative. That's not good, right? And same the other way, like having an unhappy landlord when you're you're the tenant can can be bad. So it's you want to have a good relationship. And yeah, like you said, I've never you know tipped my landlord or anything like that. It's like yeah, you're. You always get your, your revenue money. sources. When you leave, you never get your security I deposit used, back. Yeah. I, so. used, I used to give my landlord Christmas and birthday presents. Wow. Who's your landlord? Your mother? When I lived with Doug. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, your parents don't count. Even if the, you were charging your rent. <laughs> my brother refers to my parents as his roommates. <laughs> yep. We, I had some friends that did that too. Yeah. The room, me and the roomies. You mean your parents? Yeah. He, he called me like two weeks ago. I was like, roommates are out of town for the weekend. Big party at the house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, you know, so if you're struggling besides the cheese box, which which is kind of a common one, or. You, you know, wonder if you go outside of Wisconsin, if that's common that's, still or right, not. Right, yeah. Is so, that an Iowa so thing? Tip like, for our non Wisconsin listeners, cheese box. Is it pork chops thing? if you're in yeah, Iowa? Yeah, right. You go something different, but. Uh, oranges guys. in Florida, probably. Corn. Corn. Yeah, just corn. <laughs> Drop off just a corn. bushel. Yeah. You just bring it from... It's anhydrous, I think. <laughs> just bring a tank of anhydrous and park it in the yard. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, so I, obviously there's that side of things, but um, keeping your landlord happy is a good thing. It means you get to keep renting the land, potentially, and something that might keep them happy is to improve the land. So one way of doing that is... You know, making the soil better, making it healthier, perhaps. So now it doesn't mean you have to take on a full all-or-nothing soil health approach to things, but there's different aspects of those that will benefit you and the landlord. Um, Some, you know, work one way or the other more, but, you know, improving drainage. How many times have you guys seen, I know I've seen it, where, you know, if you're on a short-term contract, you don't want to necessarily make improvements because now you're helping somebody else out, and the landlord doesn't have the equipment to make improvements, so ditches get filled in or you know don't work quite anymore, don't get cleaned out. Um, so improving the drainage can be something that benefits your crops, and but also benefits the landlord because their property meet, becomes more valuable by having those things intact. So that's something that also improves the soil health means you're going to maintain nutrients, not lose as much to erosion. So those are positive things um, for both you and the landlord. And it can be something that doesn't always get thought of, like I said, especially in those short-term arrangements. That's a tricky one. It is. Because if you don't have a, like sitting in the farmer's chair, if you don't have a long-term contract, it's hard to stick that kind of money into drainage, but you know that the land could be more productive so you're not getting your production out of it, but you can't stick your leg out, you can't stick your foot out that far. But that can be a good negotiating point of like, hey, I will do this, but I need you to give me And I have had farms extra time. successful with that. Yeah. Like, I'll pay you more rent, but I need to tile it, and in order to tile it, I need a insert year, 10-year contract or whatever that is. Which in turn makes their land more valuable, right? Right. So yeah, it benefits both. both. Yeah. So that's that's a good example of that. Um, you know, when it comes to cover cropping, that can be a benefit to both as well. Because I think we all know that wildlife like to eat what's growing in fields, whether it's a cash crop or a cover crop. So if your landlord is a big hunter, 
might be a benefit to, they might like the idea of you having a cover crop out there. And it's something that you could maybe use to, if you have animals, to produce more feed. So we've, we've seen that a number of times on dairy farms, growing rye or something to take for forage in the spring, something you can throw at the heifers or even the dairy cows if you do triticale and cut it at the right time so that that can benefit both as well. So what about tillage radish? Ooh. That when in the spring it starts rotting, then, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> then they may not yeah. like it quite as much. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a happy, happy That's prize great. in the fall, and then a whammy. No whammies in the spring. Yep, I do think cover crops is an interesting one. In general, most landlords are older. Usually, not always, probably not even most of the time anymore. Had farmed that land before that. Some of them may have cover cropped, but probably not. Yep. So that's an interesting one, too, that it is worth talking to the landlord about it and explain why or what you're doing, because to them, too, they don't even know. I mean, some of that they might think it's like planting winter wheat or something like that. They may have jumped in your tractor to do recreational tillage for you. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that one's a fun one with landlords when they decide to do tillage <laughs> for you. We I, had ones this year I drove by feeling like, oh, they're mo- they moldboarded that? Like moldboard plow? And then I looked, and it wasn't all the same. Was it a plow day? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's, yep, that landlord would have a plow day for the farm. Because I asked the farm later, I said, you know, like, did you know that was plowed? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's more board plowed. They're like, what? What? You know, like, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm guessing the landlord had a, you know, a plow day, and, it, and they did. They had multiple. The one thing I would say with the current plow day they had, like, even 10 years ago, you'd, you'd look across and it'd be all way different. Yeah. And this was pretty close, mm-hmm. like, however they did it or if they're getting better systems or whatever. I don't know. But, yeah, that one's always an interesting one to, when they, when they yeah, voluntarily do tillage for you. And they're like, oh, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah, I figured you were working anyway. So, um, but that's also the, not all landlords have their own equipment or, you know, they're old farmers and they've retired and they're renting out their land, then then that's the case, but sometimes they don't. I have to say I'm guilty. Guilty of the volu- of the involuntary tillage. As the, on, but When you're taking your four-wheeler <laughs> and it's too wet and you know it's no, too no, wet. We, so you... We've been like getting, because every year you know they're scared to back that equipment up right to the lawn and rip out part of the lawn. So every like five or six years or so the field has shrunk by an acre by just going around the house and stuff because the so every couple of years, you just kind of go out there and we work the edges because we don't care. rip up the lawn. We don't care. like what do we care? You know, so try and open the field up for them. So when they get there, they're like, oh, I can go all the way up to where you know. The, the, so we every couple of years got to kind of do a little for them just around the edges so they know it's all right. That's less grass we have to cut. So rip her up. You know, if you want to try no till too, that can be a fuel and equipment savings. Um, and there again, depending on. Age of your landlord, they may take exception well, to that of, like, well, you should work it. There, there's definitely no, that, you, that aspect of, you're handing them the cheese yeah. box this fall, and they're like, hey, you, you forgot to till this one. Did you know that? You know, that's a spot, you know. Yep, we're trying to save earthworms. Here's what we're doing. Yeah, to explain it and explain how it, you know, it benefits you and them, that, you know, there are benefits to both. I have had some, land, like, Farms that have gotten out more recently, probably in the last 20 years, and then they're currently renting out, and they've had it in that they specifically pick someone that's a no-till. They want it, yeah. Yeah, yep. that they said, nope, I've had this no-till for 
15 years and I I want that to continue and it, it is a big effort. I mean to yeah. put all the time and, and effort into not tilling it and then have somebody <laughs> come in and be like, "Oh yeah, no, first thing I'm going to do is rip that right up." Yeah. I mean that would be I think we've all seen that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like selling a house, don't go back to it. Like if you sell a house and move, don't go back to your old house because the people who buy it change it and then you get pissed because they rip that tree out that you planted. Planted you know how, in you the You know how much July. money I spent on that tree? Right. And th- this one kind of gets back to the, you know, we talked about improving drainage. Well, no-till can do that too where you're you're reducing runoff, um, keeping the waterways that are there, if any, cleaner, the, the creek cleaner, not running brown in the spring. And, and those are things you can... Help explain to your landlord that yeah, hey, this is it's a good thing, especially if you're along. You know, getting back to the big hunting landlords, you, you want to encourage the wildlife, and these are all things that can kind of help with that. So there's there's lots of positives. Some soil health practices do have negatives. You know, there's possible yield drag if you're not one that's really committed to to a no-till situation or um, that kind of thing that maybe your your yields will, will suffer, but the benefits of keeping your landlord happy might be worth taking that little bit of a hit. And some guys would argue there's not a hit. All depends on, on your management. I think the biggest part with these negatives is to your landlord, they're actually potential positives. Some, right. You know, like... Yeah, sometimes what's negative they don't. Is, I mean, depending on your contract with them which they may be affected by the yield depending on if you're yeah doing a share crop situation share, but yeah. if it's not they don't they don't care about that and there you say to and maybe it's you bring your soil test paper that shows organic matters jumped by mm-hmm. you know half a percent over the last eight years and that stuff you know and showing them fertility or that kind of thing that you've done on their farm i, I think to be honest like all this is we do have to do a better job of showing our landlords how we are benefiting them, yeah, specifically yep. them. And I think the wildlife play is a good one, Matt. I actually really, I, 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 Bill and I are not hunters. We've talked about that, so we don't care about that as much. But I could see if that's what your landlord cared about, that'd be huge to tell them. Hey, yeah. look, I'm going to plant this, you know, basically big old food plot for you, or do something for them. That's a big deal. And there too, you know that. That seed costs money to grow cover crops, but at the same time, you know, there's soil health benefits, there's the wildlife aspect, and keeping that landlord happy and doing, you know, if they are encouraging to do those practices, might be worth it to spend a little bit extra money on seed than to have to go out and try to compete for other land in other places. Because depending on your where you're sitting in your neighborhood, there's a lot of competition around for those acres. So keeping landlords happy might be more important to you depending on how many other farms are around you and what kind of land base you're looking at and needing. So spending a little bit of extra money by keeping, will keep your rent a little bit cheaper potentially and keep you out of that competition for those big, big dollar acres. So do you think manure falls in both of these categories? (laughs) Keeping landlords happy and pissing them off? Yeah, because, I mean, it depends. If it's a farming, a farmer background landlord, they understand the, the need for manure most likely. But if it's not and they don't like the smell of it, 
and don't want to have to deal with it, then that's... Because I've had farms like, yep, I got this hunk of land because I told them I was going to put manure on it, and the guy that they were renting it to never put manure on it, and they wanted manure. And then I had the opposite. Like, yep. I picked up this land, but they told me I can't put manure on it because they don't want manure. It's like, wow. Or you can only grow alfalfa and one year of corn. Ooh, my favorite's the height of the crop. Yeah. Yeah, like, the height. Oh, yeah. Corn's too tall. I don't like it. It blocks my house. Yep, yep. So only beans or some, basically something shorter than your waist, kind of. Yep, like, yep, yep. Like, what? That's so silly. Why would you not want to block your house? No, corn's the best when it's Dude. around your house. It's like living in the jungle. No, they're literally... Usually evolves around the wi- the wives or the the women that don't they either love it or they hate it because I've been in scenarios where you gotta tell them to stop watching like the movie Signs Grandma, in October. Grandma hates it when you, we plant corn because she can't see to the see. highway. See, and that's the exact. My grandma's like, plant corn every year if you want. Yeah. Closes the house off like you, it's like you're not even back there, you know. Or I had a, a farm that they put a, a field in hay for four or five years and. It was around the son's house, and the son was mad because he wanted corn there for the deer. <laughs> He's like, "Well, yeah, we got to rotate it out, you know." So. so, so bottom line here is, you need to make an effort to meet and learn about your landlords, right? I mean, that's what we're saying here in general is right. Do what's going to make you know. It, a lot of these situations it can make you both happy, um, but keeping that landlord happy, like I just said about the not having to compete for other acres thing, might be a very valuable thing to think about and some of these landlords are going to prefer certain practices you know we've went through a number of examples here um they might use it as a determining factor whether or not you get to keep renting that land and there are programs out there for cost sharing on some of this stuff both private and um through like nrcs and all that kind of stuff so there's ways to help fund it um and i think we've talked about this before but carbon markets too might be another way of financing some of this stuff but at the same time that's still kind of a market that's not really there's no real cut and dry way to to look at the carbon markets yet that makes sense so um that's something that i probably wouldn't hang my hat on but definitely there's other ways of of making this work and it can keep you and your landlord happy sometimes it's going to make one of you more happy than the other but Finding ways to work with them is going to be better than not. And so giving them a gift of either healthier soils or at least things that will make them happy on their their property, because it is their property, um, is a good way and, to And to, all to landlords I've ever met treat still still believe they are running it, if yeah. that's the way yep. to say yep. it. They, I've never met a landlord that didn't still feel like they were out there with the farmer doing that. In a, in a way, that's kind of cool to think that mm-hmm. that they you're kind of carrying on their legacy. As a kid who picked rocks on our family farm long after I, we were running it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like yes. you still want to care for it. Yes, this is your. We hadn't ran it in ten years, fifteen years, and we we're still picking rock. We still pick rocks. Like just it's the way it is. You care about it, right? And if you were going to give it up, you they would have they would have sold it. They right. would have moved on from like. There's still an investment there. That's yep, there's something keeping them there. Yes. They would have sold it to you. Yes. Yep. And, again, they maybe, and maybe they will, but not if you pay them off. <laughs> obviously, as landlords change and say your older landlord passes away or that family and it gets passed down to their 10 kids, 
That's a that's whole, even more. That's tricky. a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother right. episode. Yeah, we could do. Whole, We're not talking about that the might states be 10 episodes. because we actually might not have the, that episode because we like the podcast oh, to stay afloat. Because yeah. that one could get a little, <laughs> but, t- little dicey. I mean, let's be real. Like you go Illinois, Iowa, like most of their landlords are in California or yeah. Florida. Yeah, or, don't even you know in the same state. Yeah. yeah, and maybe not even the country. So it's a trickier part there too. But we're talking more of like. I would say what we're used to as landlords, but that's about to change too. So that's going to be tricky. Yeah, like yeah. that's coming. And I'm sure most of our listeners have had some of that already, but as that comes to, and you don't just have, you know, one landlord, you got the five kids that are all landlords and yeah. they're all different. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's a way different. Five story. different opinions. So yes. All right. So there you go. Some things to think about when you're getting that gift for your landlord this holiday season. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. This one was interesting to me, and it took me a minute to figure out why this was an agricultural article. And maybe you guys were thinking the same thing when you looked at the the title of this one. Yes. So French insect-based ingredients maker, and you have to see how it's spelled. It's Y-N-S-E. CT, but I believe it's still pronounced insect, insect um, expands in North America. So, okay, great. These guys deal with bugs. What do we, why should we care? They're feeding so, chickens. So, they, <laughs> well, that's one thing. Uh, so, the company said on Tuesday it signed a deal to build an insect ingredient production sites in the U.S. and Mexico as what. It kicks off what it says will be the world's largest insect farms. So they breed mealworms that produce proteins for aquaculture, livestock, pet food, fertilizers, and human nutrition. So livestock and fertilizers still have I feel some like tied to Dirty this. Jobs has done an episode like this. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I actually, yep. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they're looking to expand, and so it does affect agriculture in how these things are produced. Little mealworms, they had a lovely picture of, of that that I can just see, even though it's a still picture, I can see it moving in my head. Not quite as bad as maggots on a carcass, but right up there. Just give you some wonderful word picture there. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. They're looking to expand here, give us a way of having some products, protein products made here in the USA through this company. So kind of interesting. All right, now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. So today we're going to talk about the plow. So a moldboard plow used in the U.S. was designed by Thomas Jefferson in 1784, patented by Charles Newfold in 1796, and marketed in the 1830s as a cast iron plow by a blacksmith named John Deere. Gee, where have we heard that name before? The use of plows expanded rapidly with the introduction of the steam horse in 1910. By 1940, there were 2 million tractors in the U.S., and the introduction of the tractor enhanced farm income, which rose as much as 156% between 1939 and 1944. As new technology evolved, farmers in the U.S. got equipped with some of the largest equipment in the world. Use of powerful tractors and large machinery, along with fertilizers and improved varieties, enhanced crop yield factor, uh, yields by a factor of 3 to 5. 
Intensive tillage and use of heavy machinery brought mixed blessings, however. Intensive tillage systems can leave the soil bare, allowing rain to pulverize it excessively, creating conditions where soil and nutrients are carried away by heavy rains. So it's not a new concept, the plow. It's been around for a very long time, but just think about how much changed in that amount of time. We went from the moldboard plow to the chisel plow to the vertical till, strip till, you know, everything else we've got now. We all have cool names like Dominator, Eliminator. The, the wild thing about this in June of 2022, John Deere discontinued making yep. the 3710 moldboard plow. So, like, sort of that original plow isn't even being built anymore which is which like you say is just showing as well how much things have changed yeah the john deere plow is almost 200 years old if they would have went to 2030 it would have been in 200 so yeah it's interesting see how things change and so like that too has got to be i mean it's 180 years it says that it was being built and manufactured i mean right. they were still making them for like a very long what time. other things are we making that we, you yeah. know, like wooden wheels on our, you know, horse carts. And yeah, it's just wild. Get some steel there. wheels again. Bring those back around. All right. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe and tell a farmer friend about the podcast. While you got some time over Christmas and New Year's and all the fun things, you can listen to Tilt Talk Radio on an Apple phone, uh, Apple podcast on your iPhone or on Android we like to use Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM. Just search Tilt Talk Radio. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right, now it's time to get into some current events with some cool beans. That's corny. So, cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week is just kind of fun to say. Uh, Fumzyme. Sounds like funzine. I thought to it was me. like fumzine or fumzine. Yeah, I it's not. Yeah, what, I could what, see fum. When I first read it, I wanted to say funzine because they yeah, got the capital F U M. Right. So like fum or fume or whatever it is, uh, now available for use in poultry and swine. So what is that? It's a mycotoxin degrading ingredient that helps protein producers fight negative effects of mycotoxins in feed. We've all seen mycotoxins. I've talked about it when it comes to disease pressure and other things in your crops. So now DSM Animal Nutrition and Health has announced this product, Fumezyme. It's the first FDA-approved product, uh, purified enzyme, designed to degrade fuminosins into non-toxic metabolites. So anything to keep animals healthier is probably a good thing, and in this case... It's now an additive you can do to help combat those negative mycotoxins that might be out in feed. So the fungus that causes the mycotoxin, which is fumonacin, continues to be prevalent across the United States. Since 2014, swine and poultry producers have detected... Are you, are you, is that a, I was trying to still if it's fun or fume here. Fumonacin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Microsoft Sam. Can you say it again one more time? Fumonazin. Fumonazin. You, you, you can play the article, the actual article. It's like the fourth word. See what it, see what it says. I like this way. 
I don't like the robot. We'll way. never know. Uh, Say it how you want. So yeah, the, the two new products are called Biofix Plus with Fumezyme and Biofix Select with Fumezyme, and have been on the market since November for swine and poultry producers. Is there anything like that for dairy or beef livestock you guys have heard about? So I mean, we always they, talk about vomitoxins, yeah, mycotoxins. Like, yeah, I never know enough about nutrition, but they always thought you know binders and yeah. There's got to thi- be there's things, but yeah, I don't know if they're it the same as this. Or, very yeah. expensive versus not having the right. problem. So yeah. All right. All right. That's corny for this week. Hundred dollar an acre herbicide costs won't be unusual next mm. season, according to this next article. That sounds like fun. Sad. Uh, so the days of making the $3 an acre glyphosate applications to control weeds are long gone and won't be coming back. Same goes for glufosinate. They're both going to be more expensive moving forward, according to Tommy Butts, a guy's the best weed science ever, or best named weed scientist ever. Uh, University of Arkansas Extension weed scientist said, on the low side... Depending on your specific weed spectrum and infestation level, robust weed control program in the Midwest might cost you at least $50 an acre next year. And that's coming from Bill Johnson at Purdue University. So, again, depends how much weed pressure you have, how many, you know, I think they're looking at overlapping residuals and a total program cost, potentially, so multiple. What's wild here is they're talking soybeans. Yeah, you know, think of the day bill of like Ugh. beans were cheap and corn. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, we're going up to say thirty, forty bucks an acre on corn, and now corn's still like forty bucks an acre, and beans is way higher. And you're just looking at how to. I was gonna say, 80, I would say make it eighty five. Like, I mean, fifties. Like, if you put together a fifty dollar program that works, like on beans, you're saying, yeah, like that's. Oh, it's getting tough. That's a you're, fifty dollar successful full so, pro program. Okay, are you talking hard. just chem or application? I guess normally when I do a when I bid it out for somebody, it's with application. Yeah. It's I don't have any that get under fifty with application. Right, right. And, and then it might not work on every field of the farm, right? Like some fields might yeah. cost you a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. I guess I'm only counting like your base calculations right. and the ones we make in December. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, right. I, you know, it's something we we saw. This year, and obviously, it's going to continue to go through into next year. All right, we'll wrap things up here with a feel-good Friday for the week. And that is Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack is to meet with Mexican officials uh, today to discuss GM their GM corn decree. Um, so if you haven't heard, Mexico is talking about doing a ban on biotech corn. They're not talking. They are decreeing. Matt. Decreeing. Sorry. I decree <laughs> that we shall have no. I more. declare no GMO corn. <laughs> like declaring bankruptcy. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he said to me with Mexican officials for the second time this week over the country's proposed ban on biotech corn. Mexico is obviously one of our big Im- trade partners here in North America. They import a lot of our goods, so. Uh, kind of critical that we keep them happy, but at the same time, we want to be able to export our products and grow a good product. So Vilsack met with the president last month and says, hopeful this second round of talks will move the needle. And 
If not, then they will be forced to, you know, file a grievance with the whole U.S. trade authority thing and make a whole mess of things that we don't really need. So hopefully they can work things out, keep shipping our agricultural goods down to Mexico and get money for our goods. So sounds like it's a positive thing that they're getting together. So that's our field good thing for the week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked about ways to keep your landlord healthy and maybe keep your soil or keep your soils healthy and make your landlord happy. <laughs> the cheese. Will we want to be. Healthy. Yeah, we want to keep That's healthy too. You want your landlord healthy. Yes. Yeah. Because then it's, otherwise it's going to go to all his kids. Yeah. Uh, in our spotlight, we <laughs> talked about a French insect-based uh, company expanding into North America that produces proteins for livestock and fertilizer. In our egg history minute, we talked about the history of the plow. Cool beans this week was Fumezyme, now available for use in poultry and swine to keep down those mycotoxins. That's corny was expensive herbicides continuing into next year. And our Field Good Friday was hoping trade talks between U.S. and Mexico will continue on a positive path and they, Mexico will not ban GM of corn. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.